Alternative Affairs is brought to you by Triple Crest Productions. These guys offer a full range of audio production services to assist you and your company's needs. If you're a podcaster, a musician, or have any other audio service needs, you're going to want to get in touch with these guys. They make all the magic happen for us here at Alternative Affairs. They offer custom songwriting, audio recording, album production, publishing, and even offer hosting services. So you want to visit them online at triplecrestproductions.com or give them a call or even send them a text at 772-22-CREST. Again, that's 772-22-CREST. Normally, we find ourselves whispering about our own problems, making it our own little secret. We lock it in and withdraw ourselves from society. It makes us comfortable knowing we have our own little secret possession of our own issues. Do we dare to scream out loud and let everyone know about them? Ever have a really good cry and realize how good you feel afterwards? Especially if you have someone you love listening and consoling you. There's just something about releasing all the angst and all the emotion, the hate, the pain, to just make your mind, body, and soul free. Emotion. Flawless submission of provocative emotion, where the typical and the great beyond collide. A place we may never even see in our lifetime, but there is music and there are bands that bring us there. They bring us to that great beyond. They sing of emotion, and we just know that they're singing directly to us. They're singing about our problems. We feel it in our soul. They were brought into our lives to withdraw all the pain and sorrow. We just believe it. The only time we feel comfortable to release all of our little secrets is when we're with them. Now let's take a trip together. Let's take a ride beyond the typical. Let's cross the typical barriers and saturate ourselves with a new sound, a revolution of sound and chest-thumping beats, beats that penetrate us deeply and make us think about what's inside each and every one of us. What's our place in the world? What kind of impact are we making in the world and to each other? Where do we exist? How do I exist? Can I exist? Missio may just teach us how we can. They beat the truth out of you and make you pull at your own struggles. Everyone throwing up a middle finger in concert of solidarity and unity. Everybody gets high and low and travels to the deep blue sea. Missio forces us to stomp out all of our secrets and cry out to the world to make an impact. I'm your host, Jason, and you're listening to Alternative Affairs. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Alternative Affairs. I'm your host, Jason. We are here at the Orlando House of Blues with Matthew Brew from Missio. What's going on, man? What's up, man? We are really excited about kicking off uh, Alternative Affairs, and you are one of our premier guests uh, to start this lineup, and really excited about the future of what it holds for us. So thank you very much. Absolutely, man. So let's talk about the name Missio. For our listeners that haven't heard of your group. Maybe they've heard of you. Maybe they've heard of Middle Fingers. How the hell did you come up with the name Missio? And I understand it's Latin for mission, right? It is, yeah. Um, when I was in recovery, my sister had sent me this phrase. 
which was Missio Dei, which is Latin for the mission of God. So I, I loved it because it was kind of, I was exploring spirituality a little bit when I was trying to get clean and um, I just resonated with the phrase a lot. So then fast forward a year and I had had Missio tattooed on my wrist because I had just loved it and it was encouraging for me in regards to recovery aspect. Um, and then when I was trying to come up with a name, it was kind of a given because I remember thinking through a couple names and then I remembered Missio and I was like, it has an amazing meaning. It's done a lot for me in my in in the past couple of years for my growth. And three, it just sounds cool. It's 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 like a unique, interesting name. And I have so to admit it's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was it was just a given, and decided on Missio. And then it just I, I looked on Google to see if there were any other Missios, and there was an '80s band that went by Missio, which are no longer. They're around. not important. You're important. <laughs> so I was like Missio. That's the name for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember David actually coming on live with us on one of our sister groups, Blue Sunshine State. You guys did a Q&A with us. Really appreciate you guys doing that. Yep. And he had mentioned that it was it was great because the name was already picked out and he could just come in and, and enjoy the <laughs> enjoy the ride. Band names are hard. I mean, we just we were talking about you trying to figure out a name for the podcast. You go through right. a lot before you go, okay, I like that. I let's, did the same research one. as well. I went on Google. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's an amazing yeah. tool. Yeah. Well, I had heard of so many horror stories of artists that had a name, and then they got halfway through their career, and then they got sued because another artist somewhere else had that name. Oh, yeah. And they had to switch the name halfway through their career, which can be kind of detrimental a uh, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. So I did not want that to happen with what we were doing. Oh, man. I, you know, and again, with Alternative Affairs, I was absolutely shocked that that name wasn't picked already. It's a great name, man. I'm telling you, it's a great name. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And obviously, you are here, and we are at the House of Blues Yep. on yet another tour. Yep. So you just wrapped up the Loner Tour. So tell us about how life's been uh, being on tour. Um, that tour was so special for David and I both. It was our first headline tour we've ever done. Um, going in, we kind of set the expectation in the bar maybe a little bit low because we didn't want our expectations to be totally devastated so we went in with the mindset of if we could do 200 people a night that would be amazing i mean across the board across the country 200 people insane for first headline tour and sure enough night one we we did 500 people and then we were doing 700 and selling i think we sold out 72 percent of the tour or something i was like going to ask you about that you sold out a shitload it of was, shows it was i mean we left the tour being like i don't know how we deserve to be able to do this and we were so grateful because of how many people came out on on a, on a first headline tour it just never happens like that so we left exhausted um Oh, we're, we're still in a sprinter. We're not on a bus yet. And so there's a lot of extra work that goes into getting to places in a sprinter. And we got to hurry up and get you guys upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it. We're working right. on it. Um, but we literally, we got back and we had four days off and then we went directly into the studio and then we s left the studio to do this tour. So we have had literally no You've time. been heads down, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So after this tour, we're doing one more writing session and then we have a couple months to just kind of just rejuvenate let it sit and, and okay. sit back and listen to the new songs we've done and 
I'm really excited to maybe try to go on a vacation for a week or two. <laughs> I think it's well-deserved. Yeah. I think yeah. it's well-deserved. Yeah. You know, so, you know, the Loner Tour, I kept on seeing those Instagram posts. So, you know, sell out alert, sell out alert, sell out alert. And you guys were just constantly posting those. And I was just blown away. I'm like, this is their first headlining tour. And they are selling out almost every single venue. I mean, it was just amazing. Were there any remarkable venues? You know, everybody, all the fans typically want to know, like, who's the best show? I mean, come on. Um, I would say my favorite venue on that tour was actually in Houston. Um, in your home state? In the home state. And it's this brand new venue. Um, the name is slipping me. Um, oh, White Oak Music Hall. Okay, yeah. They redesigned the whole thing, and it's this very modern architecture building, and the green rooms were incredible, and the load-in was easy, and the, the venue was incredible, and their light thing that they had was incredible. They just took care of their artists. They knew what to do to make an artist happy, and it was really cool coming from some shitty club venues yeah. to have a, a rejuvenation day like that. Um, and then there was a venue in Santa Fe called Meow Wolf, which is... It looks like Alice in Wonderland when you walk in because it's actually an art installation and they turned it into a venue. So when you look up, there's neon lights and there's weird bunnies everywhere. And it, it, it's just a really unique venue in the middle of the desert. Oh, that's cool. really, really cool venue. You know, so I, I've talked to Noveski a couple of times and he always, him and Will always comment on having a shower at the venue is probably one of the most important things to an artist. <laughs> How many showers did you have on, on the tour? Zero. No! <laughs> Zero showers. I can't believe that. Well, here's the thing. When you're traveling in a bus. That's crazy. You, you don't have hotel rooms very often. So you depend on those venue showers. When, yeah. we, when we're in a sprinter, we don't sleep in the sprinter. We sleep in a hotel. Right. So when we get there, we get to take a shower in a hotel room. Okay. So when we get to the venue, there's, there, yeah, there's really no need to have to do that. So. Yeah, I you know, and and, and that was the one thing I, I I met with the guys. As you know, I'm a big Blue October fan, and we met up with Will and Matt. Uh, we also met up with Tim Beck, yep. the tattoo artist from mm -hmm. Peoria, uh, out at the House of Blues in Chicago, and they talked about how great the European tour was because every venue had a shower. A nice shower. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got to get you over to Europe. That's what we need to do. Oh, right? we're working on it, man. Yeah. We're working on it. <laughs> it's time for your, your fan, fan affair. affair. Today's fan letter comes from Valentina from Chile. She wanted to express how grateful she is of this amazing duo. So I'm from Chile. That means that I'm not going to be able to see Missio any concert in a very long time, but that is not an impediment to having such a nice experience with their music. Loner is one of my absolute best albums I've ever listened to. Every time you play a song, is like you can feel the emotions printed on it. They have strong messages, and maybe that's why Missio has helped me a lot. I'm always dealing with negativity and bad thoughts in my head, and these guys and their music came along and made my life better. I don't know if they're aware of the impact that their music has, but to me, it's huge. They make me feel that I'm not alone with this, and I don't even know how to thank them so much for that. All I could do is make some fan art and mix some music, but I think they deserve to know that they are making a girl on the other side of the world the happiest girl on earth. We love you. Keep being the most amazing ones that you possibly can. Lots of love, Val. Now you're on tour with A Wall Nation, right? Yeah. So you've had a couple of shows with them so far. Tell me how it's been. It's been really good. Um, Aaron reached out to us 
last year, um, which for those of you who don't know, Aaron's lead singer of Able Nation. And it was really cool because we didn't know what to expect in regards to the music industry as a whole. And it was cool to have somebody reach out and go, hey, man, I heard this song and I love it. You don't know me, but thought it was really, really cool. Hell so, yeah. yeah, so we got to hang out with him a little bit. And then it's it's cool to go full circle now and be on their tour. And they kill it live. I mean, they're one of the best live bands ever. So uh, one of my favorite songs, obviously, is Sale. Uh-huh. I, that was obviously the eye opening moment. And then Handyman is their latest uh, song. Yep. Uh, off of uh, Here Come the Grunts and or Runts, Runts. Don't yeah. want to mess that up. <laughs> Not Grunts, it's Runts. Runts. Sorry about that. Uh, so really excited, obviously, to be here with you guys on this tour. So I want to get a little personal with you, right? So we got to talk about what it's been like you as an artist. Um, the world's had a taste of Missio. They've heard your music. They've seen this new electronic, almost revolutionary sound. What would you describe the style of your music? Um, that's one of the m- more difficult questions we answer from people. Because uh, I never want to go, oh, well, do you like this band? We're kind of like them. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Uh, but I can't I, think of one. Yeah, I always tell people we are electronic alternative. Um, and we kind of pride ourselves in approaching electronic music in a kind of old school way so when you listen to edm artists now that do the whole rise and fall like big dubstep type thing it's very what we call in the box which is computer like they call them bsts virtual instruments okay whereas we'll find for demos we'll work inside the box and then we'll do it all over again with real instruments so we'll add real kits we'll add distortion we'll add like we have seven or eight synths that we're using for one synth tone and we like to make it really raw and aggressive so you approach edm music the way that an edm artist does but we also record from an old school mentality which is i think what helps us a little bit so how many tracks does it take to obviously complete like one song with you guys i mean i'm sure it's like Record, add something. Record, add something. Over a hundred. Wow. Yeah. I mean, has to be. Wow. With the amount of drum, I mean, we'll have three kits going at one time sometimes, which is different things as far as drums go, and then we'll have sub stuff, and then all the synth stuff, and then the, all the vocal tracks. I mean, we're yeah, we have a lot. <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah. you had a nice little run with Alt Nation. Oh, yeah. You've been on the Alt 8 a few times yep. with Bottom of the Deep Blue Sea and Everybody Gets High. Yeah, we, hit, songs. we hit two number ones. Um, Middle Fingers went number one on Alt Nation. Bottom of the Deep Blue Sea went number one. That's sick. Everybody Gets High, I think, did three, number three. So yeah. they have been our biggest supporters from the beginning, which has been amazing because all of the listeners end up coming to shows. And so it's, it's just they've been so helpful well, Alt Nation's probably one of the best on Sirius XM. They're one of the one of the hottest streaming Sirius channels. Yeah, it's, right yeah. now. Yeah, they're they're amazing. And so you went on the Advanced Placement tour. Um, I have the tour name right, correct? Yeah. Okay, yep. good. <laughs> that was our first tour. Yeah. Really? Video, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yep. So now that you're considered part of the alternative music scene, you're officially dubbed into the alternative music scene. Do you feel like you're revolutionizing the way that alternative music is being looked at today? David would have a different answer than I do. Um, okay. He's he's very competitive and like loves competition. And so he would say we're the future of music, which 
It's hard for me to say that um, just because nobody really knows what the future of music actually ends up being. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always people trying to be themselves and create things that they believe to be true to their artistic integrity, which is what we're doing. So as long as that is my ultimate goal is we're making real genuine art that we're happy with. And if it happens to change a scene, that's amazing. Um, but you just don't know. I mean, there's so many artists now that make music that's so outside the box. You, you just don't really know what's going to work. But I do pride ourselves in trying to push the box a little bit in regards to what's happening on radio, especially. Um, I don't find most radio music to be very outside the box. I, I think right. I think artists play it pretty safe, and I wish that artists would take a little bit more um, of a different approach in regards to just experimenting with things and seeing if it will work or not. Right. Which is what we do. We just have fun. I mean, you've. I don't know if you've heard our new song, Temple Priest, that we've played. I did hear that. I've been looking for that, and I'm like, I can't find this. Why the hell can I not find this song? (laughs) Yeah, it's not released yet. Um, But with a song like that, we were just fucking around in the studio, and it turned into, yeah, we should totally do that. That should be the lyric. Don't know if it's going to work, but we really don't give a shit. They call (laughs) you Temple Priest, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about Middle Fingers, right? So since that's hit the charts, how's life been since then? So let me back up a little bit because you were actually quoted at a couple of your shows saying that you originally didn't like that song. It was too poppy, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I'm interested to see how since you originally wrote it, since it originally was mastered and now it's out there, has the perception of the song changed for you in a way? Yeah. I, I like the song, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to put a song I don't like on our record. It was just my least favorite in regards to some of the other songs we had because we had Everybody Gets High and Bottom of the Deep Blue Sea and songs that I really wanted to listen to over and over and over and over. Middle Fingers was definitely the most radio single of the bunch. And so for me, kind of being an anti-pop guy for a long time, I was like, no, mm-mm. Well, mm-mm. what I really liked about it was the, the, the message you said right after it. In every show, you said, you know what, but this song is, it resonates with me a little bit. Yeah. Because, you, know you know, I don't care what you really think. Because to be honest with you, I'm an artist. I want to make an impact on your life. And as long as I make an impact on one person, two people, three people, then I've done my job. So I think from uh, an overall fan base, I think people still scream and they rave about it because they love the song. Yeah, and I think part of it was right place, right time with what was happening in regards to presidential election and things like that when we released it, which was by accident. I mean, we just released it when we did. Total coincidence. And it happened to be around that time. Um, But playing it live, I, I would say it probably took playing the song 10 times live to finally go there's a lot more to this song than what I realized. And it, it was, it hit me when you have hundreds of people flipping you off. And I kind of realized <laughs> this person doesn't know this person and this person doesn't know that person, but they're all but coming yet together. they're all coming together around this one song and this symbol, an ironic symbol of a middle finger. And it is a really unifying song and it just hit me in a different way than I expected it to. And so every night when we play that song, I like to say that because I don't think people realize what's going on around them during that song. Yeah. And um, it's the one time where you go, I don't care if you're African-American, I don't care if you're white, I don't care if you're Mexican, I don't care what you believe spiritually or politically, we're all in this moment together around this symbol, around our favorite band or song or whatever it is. 
it's really unifying. You know, and I think one thing that I want to make sure that I'm relaying here on our show for our listeners is that Middle Fingers is not just about hate. It's not about flicking people off. It's not about, you know what, fuck you and what you think. You know, it's it's about me. It's not about me. It's mm. not about the individual. It's about, you know what, it, it, there's so much more than us, right? There's totally. so much more than me. There's so much more than you. There's totally. so much more than us sitting in the room here. Um, you know, so it's a transcendence of what is really going on, like you said, in pop culture, politically, or sociologically, however, you know, way we spin it. Um, so taking that a step further, right? So it's kind of become an image for, for Missio with the middle finger t-shirt and you guys are doing the middle fingers <laughs> at all your meet and greets. And I think it's, it's pretty cool. So it's kind of become an, uh, a part of your identity Absolutely. in a way. Yeah. <laughs> It's time for your, your fan, fan affair. affair. This fan experience comes from Katie from Texas. She writes, I first saw Missio back when I was shooting photos for 94.5 The Buzz at the Bud Light Weenie Roast. I heard their first song and was like, who are these dudes? Killing Darth Vader caught my ear. It seemed the people around me seemed to be a little caught off guard. This was not just a typical group of talented musicians. These guys are really cool. Their songs are just different. I had to find out all the names of the songs they played. When Matthew listed out the whole set, I said to myself, yep, I gotta buy this album. I played the Loner album on repeat for weeks. I never even hit skip once. I can't even remember the last time I had an album that I never hit skip on at least once. When I found out that they were opening for Blue October, I just had to go. I also had to go when they came to the White Oak Music Hall on their headlining tour. I am constantly waiting for more Missio. When I started going to their concerts, I found a group of fans who love them just as much as I did. I am lucky enough to call them friends now, and I am proud to be part of the Missio Mafia. Again, kind of talking about the transcendence of, of the impact of what you make in the world today, right? So politically, sociology, et cetera, like we were just talking about. Um, you guys wrote a song, and then uh, there was a video produced um, written and directed by Jeff Ray, mm -hmm. if I'm correct. Uh, that song is Can I Exist. By yep. the way, that song is fucking amazing. Thank you. Just gonna say. <laughs> Thank you. So we were rocking out to it on the way here. Probably, how many times have we listened to it? Four or five times at least? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a half a dozen times because we just I just can't get enough of it. So Can I Exist, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful piece of work. Um, now, so for our listeners that haven't heard it or have not seen the video, let me set the stage here really quick. So the video includes several flashbacks of two young boys, one white, mm -hmm. one black. They're playing in a river together, which seems to be many decades ago, yep. definitely set back in time. The white boy, unfortunately, gets hit by his father, who then tosses the black boy into the river, pulls him away, slaps him. Fast forward, flash forward, I should say, there's two white police officers arresting two black males. Uh, you might think that the film's about racial discrimination, but if you really start piecing the flashback and the flash forward together, you start realizing that it's actually about two very dear and close friends being divided by hate. Yep. It so me, it, the, it gives me goosebumps just you reading it out loud. <laughs> isn't that amazing? Yeah. At the end of the video, the black man, uh, unfortunately, uh, gets hit by the officer's baton. Gets smacked. Now, they're flashing back and forth. Meanwhile, the father is smacking the white boy at the same time, which appears to be in sync. Then there's all of a sudden these cuts, and you realize that it appears 
that those were the two boys playing in the river together. Mm-hmm. So in the description of this video on YouTube, if you guys uh, have not seen it, you could go to YouTube, just type in Can I Exist? Actually, we'll have a link to it in our description uh, for the podcast. In the description, you said, as artists, we believe and strive for every human being to be able to have their voice heard. And he continues to say, we hope it becomes an impactful piece in this chaotic world we currently live in. So, you know, kind of analyzing that a little bit and breaking that down um, with you. Tell us more about this song. Tell us more about the video, what it means to you. And do you honestly believe it created the impact you were hoping for? Uh, all good questions. So what, what David and I both love is when art inspires art. When you hear a song or you see a movie and it, and it causes you to want to go create something, I think, I think when that happens, the artist has done their job. And with that song specifically, it was, it was actually written about suicide and depression is really what that song was written about. This was before the video was ever oh, okay. made. Um, this was me in a really dark time in my life where I was just struggling. And that was the song that came out. So we fast forward, we sent it to Jeff Ray, and he had the same reaction you did where he was like, this song is amazing. I have to do something with it. And Jeff Ray's an insane videographer, photographer. I mean, he's just, he's an incredibly artistic guy. And so he said, bear with me here. I know the song has its own meaning to you, but I was up till like 4 a.m. this morning writing this, this thing of, of, how it, of how it impacted me, and this yeah. is what came out. And it was, it was the story that you just read um, and, and what the music video was. And so we sat down, and he was like, I would love to make a video for you. And we were just like, man, I mean, we, we would love it, but we're broke. We have, we have no money to do this. And wow. so he said, dude, I believe in this so much. We're going to make it work. If you can just put just a little bit of money forward, I'm going to call in all my favors by actors, other people, crew guys, and we're going to make this thing happen. And so it was inspiring for David and I to realize that a piece of art that we had done had had such an effect on somebody that they just need to make this art for no other reason than, than for themselves. So... Fast, fast forward to the music video being done and us finally getting a glimpse into Jeff's mind on this, on this idea, uh, it, it blew our minds. And now I can't hear or see the song any different than what the visuals added to it, which is what I think is so special about film is because when you put music to a, to a piece of visuals, it creates a whole new artistic piece, which is what had happened here. Um, it, and it's basically describing that racism is a learned behavior. And it shouldn't be. It really is. And um, I would say, to answer your last question, there were some people who disagreed with the video, which is fine, because I, I, think, I think if you're an artist and people don't disagree with you, you're not doing something right. But I would say 90% of the people that have seen the video have been touched in a way that we never could have expected it to happen. And um, my hope still is that in years to come, people will continue to watch that video and continue to be inspired and to understand a little bit more about where we're coming from. You know, so so that song premiered on Skeletons Part 1, I believe. Yep. So those are two EPs that I can't get enough of. So Skeletons Part 1 and Part 2, you re-release, or excuse me, you release that after Loner, 
And everybody had a taste of the full studio versions of those songs. And all of a sudden you came out with the skeletons. And it really seemed we brought it back. Mm-hmm. We brought back all those really hit songs like Middle Fingers. Yep. KDV. Everybody Gets High. Right? Bringing those songs back and just... And I saw the videos of you just sitting at the piano playing. And I felt like I was... Like, I, I think you connect with, with you and with David as you guys are playing these songs the way that I think you want them to be heard. So explain that just a little bit more about how skeletons, what it meant to you to be able to record those. And what was the, what was the thought process as an artist? Um, I think good songs should be able to be represented when you take everything out and strip it back to just a piano and a vocal. There's in in electronic music, especially if you were to take away a lot of the different cool production tricks and things that they're doing, there would be no song there. I mean, there just wouldn't be. So our goal as songwriters is to always strive to be able to make songs to where when you strip it back to just a piano and a vocal or a guitar and a vocal, you still have a really strong song that speaks the same as the fully produced out song. Um, I think it was really cool. It kind of happened by accident. Our producer, he was working in a different studio and his artist at the time bailed on him. So he was like, I have four days in in this studio. I think it would be cool to come in and to just do acoustic versions of all the songs, whether you use them or not, great, but to be able to have those in your back pocket just for film stuff or whatever would be really cool. And now keep in mind, the songs were written from a piano and a vocal, and then we added a bunch of stuff on. So a song like DWI, when you hear the song on the record, you're like, oh, this is a cool jam, it's kind of electronic and stuff. I don't think people realize how dark those lyrics actually are until you strip it back to just a piano and a vocal. I've had to kind of go back and forth between the two. yeah, Yeah, yeah. And it was an opportunity for us to showcase that hey, we're not just electronic guys just writing music in our basements on a laptop. There's emotion. There is absolute emotion. We're telling a story. We're sharing our struggles. And we want you to be able to resonate in a different way when you hear these songs. So to be able to do 10 versions of stripped-down songs, it was really special because people were able to resonate and understand the song context a little bit more than hearing the fully produced out version. You know where you you know I think the one song that really kind of resonated with me more on as far as the difference, right? If you're looking at a, a parody perspective, was KDV. Totally. To me. Totally. So, for one, you kind of scaled back some of the lyrics, you yep. know, instead yep. of saying killing Darth Vader with my motherfucking kick drum, you know it's I'm killing Darth Vader with my kick drum, right? And it's just that th- this is what that means to me. This is what it means to me to be Killing Darth Vader with my kick drum. Mm-hmm. It's you being a musician. It's you loving what you're able to do, yep. and and being able to make the impact that we're talking about here today. Without a doubt. Yeah. So yep. it's so amazing, man. And it's one of the things that I have just been absolutely ecstatic about is just that new sound, right? And so you've got a new album coming out, I believe. You we are do. in the studio. You were mentioning that, and you were talking about your producer from the Loner Tour. You are producing with Mr. Dwight Baker yep. on the new album. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, well, I'll say this because Dwight is one of those hidden gems that he he actually helped write Kelly Clarkson's first record. I mean, he's a he's a big time dude, but he hates that lifestyle and that world. And so he's in Austin, and I think he's one of the best producers 
in the country. I really do. And so David and I both want to make sure that when this stuff continues to pick up, that we give him some major love because we want other artists to work with him because he's so special, um, so good at what he does. And Northern National actually just recorded with him, and he had him change the whole sound. He's like, oh, no, 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 we need to redo this. Yeah, he, it, the thing about him is there's no bullshit. So if he doesn't like something or if he thinks it can be better, he'll say straight up, everything about this song is god-awful, except for this one part. So let's keep this, and then let's rework the entire thing. And 10 out of 10 times, it always works out. It's, it's just a better song. He's an incredible guy. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we've been working on our new record. Um, we have some incredible songs that I'm, I, I think we've grown as artists and as songwriters even since the first record, which has been awesome. And a lot of what we want to do with this next record is, the first record was, was dark and it was a lot about my life and the struggles that I've been through. But at the same time, we're really fun guys that like to just have a good time. And so we wanted to grow a little bit in the songwriting to say, hey, we're not just always going to be about the dark side of life. We want to be able to share a little bit more about how we like to have fun. So it's a lot brighter. Uh, a lot of the songs on this record, it's a lot more fun. We have a song called Audi A4 which came from a conversation of Dwight and I wanting to get Audis. I know? actually saw that Instagram <laughs> post, and we were laughing about that for, for days. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. I prefer my Audi A4. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it, I think we, we're just trying to grow a little bit in this next record. It'll be a little bit brighter, which is really cool, um, a little bit more up-tempo, and I'm just excited for people to be able to hear a little bit different side of, of Missio. So I w I'm, I'm actually grinning from ear to ear right now because as we were riding here to the House of Blues in Orlando, we were thinking of a good way to kind of lead into that. And one of the things that my good friend Shannon actually said was, I, you know, I'm interested to know what the difference of the writing was like what the writing um, process was, how it differed from Loner to now. And I think you just nailed it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, just now you're, like you said, being more positive and just killing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's going to be some dark songs on there just because that is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot of what we struggle with. That's just with. an image thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, yeah. And we, uh, we've had some struggles too of what it's like to be on the road for four months and David's married and he comes home and there's this whole readjustment phase that has to happen of his wife has been in her own habits while he's been gone and he's been in his own habits while he's been gone and coming back together and trying to get back on the same page is really, really difficult. So we have some songs about that and what that's like. Um, so one of the things that we all know that you've been pretty open about is your sobriety. And I think you're going on, what, two, three years? Um, no, I, I've fucked up a couple times in there. Okay. Um, which is sucked, You get back up? But I've gotten back up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so from drugs, uh, 2009. Okay. Drinking has been more of a difficult thing for me sure. in the past couple years. Um, again, going back to that coming back home thing, it's difficult for me because I, I go from the highest of highs on the road and a, a really disciplined schedule, and then I'm home for a week and I have nothing to do, and it just fucks with my head a lot. Yeah. So um, there's been some struggle in there, um, but get right back up. So, I mean, I mean, looking at it from, from that writing process, do you feel like being sober from drugs has, has obviously, I mean, have you benefited from it going into the studio this time around? Yeah, we actually have a song on the next record called Rad Drugs, and the chorus is, 
I keep fucking up my life with rad drugs. And we, we kind of go into the drug epidemic a little bit about every, everybody does drugs in this day and age, whether it's actual substances or whether it's coffee or pornography or whatever your thing is. Um, but it goes back to drugs are fun. They're rad. I mean, they are. Anyone who's tried drugs knows that they're awesome. But at the same time, they keep fucking up my life. High highs and low <laughs> High lows. highs and low lows. So uh, we, we do delve into that a little bit on the next record of just kind of the complications of what drugs induce in people in this day and age. Well, I will tell you from a fan myself of your music, I'm absolutely honored and blessed to obviously spend the time with you and talk about that. And I know that that's been a, that, you know, that's a difficult thing to talk about and kind of address, but I love how open you are about that. And, and obviously the new music is going to kick ass and I'm super excited to do that. So I hope to have you on the show again. Absolutely, man. We'll be traveling for years and years. So we'll be back. Just keep killing Darth Vader, bro. Thanks. Man. Just keep killing it. Thank you. Alternative Affairs is made possible by member listeners just like you. Want to get involved with our show? Become a member today by going to patreon.com slash altaffairspodcast. $1, $2, $5. It really doesn't matter. Become part of the family today and help keep the mics hot and the content flowing. You'll get awesome exclusive content like outtakes and articles, discounts on merchandise, early access to full feature episodes, and you can even co-produce a full feature episode with yours truly. Alternative Affairs is brought to you by Triple Crest Productions. Music by Toxic Cities. Writing and editing is by yours truly, Jason Curtis. I'd like to give a special thank you to our premier member, Amber Wright, for her support. Thank you so much for being a part of the Alternative Affairs family. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and make sure that you use the hashtag AltAffairs on all of your fan experiences and stories. You may just get a shout-out right here on the show. Have an idea or comment for the show, or if you know a business that wants to get involved with us, you could send us an email at altaffairspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Jason, and you're listening to Alternative Affairs.